Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 300 of Linux in the Ham Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. We have hit the milestone episode number 300 and it's going to be a good one because it's a weekender where we're just going to talk about upcoming things to do, fun to have, hedonism, wine, women, song, and whatever else we want to talk about. That's the best way to have an episode number 300. We've got folks in the chat room. We'll talk to them later, probably, or at least mention that they're here listening to us ramble on about stuff. But in the meantime, we should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. So as we do when we're talking about our weekender episodes, we start off in the world of amateur radio when we talk about upcoming contests and special events that are coming up in the amateur radio world over the next week or two. So we can outline some things that might be fun for you to do and try out using your rig and maybe spend a little time communicating with folks. So we'll start off with some contests and we'll let Bill tell us what's coming up. Yeah. CQ contest, CQ contest. We got uh, this weekend, we got the all Asian DX contest. It, it uh, operates from zero, 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 zero Zulu, <clears throat> September 7th to 2400 Zulu, September 8th. Uh, the only mode is phone. So good old single sideband. Use your microphone. Have fun. Uh, the bands were 80 through 10. No work. Uh, the exchange is a, uh, um, signal strength. You know, your good old five nine and your two digit age. Uh, so you can work stations once per band. QSO points. Uh, let's see. Uh, wow. I just really pasted stuff in here. Asian stations, DXCC entries are once per band as well. Non Asian stations, uh, Asian prefixes are also once per band. Asian and prefecture. The- yeah, yeah, prefix, prefix, prefecture. <laughs> so yeah, check that uh, that contest out if you uh, want to swing your beam over that direction. Uh, you can work some Asian stations, uh, hopefully working this contest. If you want to swing the other way, or I guess for me it'd be straight north over the poles, uh, you would uh, want to work the Russian Riddy Worldwide Contest. And that one runs on September 7th from zero Zulu all the way up to 2359 Zulu. And, of course, the mode is RIDI, not FT8, not FT4, or any of the FT modes. It is RIDI, real RIDI, the real, honest-to-goodness RIDI. That's what the R stands for. It's real teletype. Yeah, real, real. real. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, the bands are 80 through 10 as well, no work. And, uh, yeah, it's also an RST, so you're going to send your 599 plus your two-letter O-Blast, whatever that is. Uh, Non-RU stations will just do an RST and your CQ zone. So you'll need to make sure you have your uh, your proper CQ zone plugged into your your contest logger. So Asian uh, see Asian stations. Uh, oh, I think I copied the Asian one in here again. Oh, I'm so bad. Anyway, so the uh, well, it's okay. You know. If you have an O blast, I think you need radiation. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, blast! <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, check the notes over on qrz.ru uh, for this contest if you're interested. Next weekend, we have the uh, Worked All Europe DX Contest, and that's the single sideman variety, and it's operating Zero Zulu up the, on September 14th through 2359 Zulu September 15th. Uh, the bands are 80 through 10, no work, and it also is an RS, uh, a signal strength and serial number exchange, a real simple exchange, and you can work uh, stations once per band. And those notes are over on their site. And then we also have the FOC, the First Class CW Operators Club QSO Party, and that's running on September 14th from Zero Zulu all the way to 2359 Zulu. And the uh, mode there, of course, is CW. It's 160 through 10 plus a VHF, and I'm not sure like how else, how high that goes. I'm assuming at least six meters, but it just said VHF, so you know, maybe you can do two meters too. Uh, but check that out. Uh, if you're an FOC member, your RST uh, plus name plus member number is your, uh, is your exchange. Otherwise, you're an RST plus name for non-members, and you can work stations once per band. All right. Very cool. So do you want to do special events? me yeah you sure bill's bill's been talking you can do special events i'll I'll jump in here on this first one and then i'll let you do the other ones okay okay so the first one is route 66 on the air this is actually uh quite a long event i think it goes from like september 7th to september 20th or 15th or something like that it's like two weeks so yeah so anyway route 66 on the air is is a bunch of stuff going on all at the same time but there's a particular station we want to mention and that is the special event called whiskey six radio w6r and they're going to be operating from september 7th 1500 zulu to 2359 zulu it's actually going to be later than that i just didn't want to mess with the dates and also september 8th 1500 zulu to some time after 2359 Zulu. Uh, I believe it's 9 p.m. 9 p.m., right, which I just didn't want to do the conversion because I'm lazy. Uh, But anyway, starting at 10 a.m. Central Time and going till about 9 p.m. Central Time, so you figure out the Zulu on your own. Uh, Anyway, this is the uh, Southwest Missouri Amateur Radio Club operating Whiskey 6 Radio from Gay Parita, which is a site on Route 66 here in Missouri. And uh, I believe they're going to be operating CW and single sideband. I'm not sure what their core frequencies are going to be. They haven't specified that I'm aware of. And the reason we wanted to mention this particular Route 66 on the air station is because Cheryl and I will be operating W6R for some of the time on Sunday, probably starting, I'm guessing, around 2 p.m. Central Time. So uh, that would be about 17, no. That would be what fourteen to so five nineteen hundred Zulu uh, on Sunday. Uh, so Cheryl and I will be operating uh, some single sideband out of W six R. So if you want to get uh, Route sixty six on the air special event QSL card, um, and maybe you can contact us. So you should give that one a try. Uh, if we have any more additional details, we'll make sure to include them in the show notes. But uh, we hope to catch you on the air on Sunday, September 8th, around 1900 Zulu uh, from Whiskey 6 Radio. Uh, and I'll let Cheryl go ahead and take the next two special events we've got lined up here. Okay. The next one is the William Becknell Heritage Days, founder of the Santa Fe Trail. It runs from 1400 Zulu to 2200 Zulu on September 7th and 1400 Zulu to 2200 Zulu on September 8th. The call sign is WBSFT. Is that a B or an 8? 
Uh, I believe that's a. I believe that's a. I think it's supposed to be WB. So let me look it up. Zero. WB zero. WB zero. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> zero, so we're missing a number there yeah, somewhere. WB zero SFT. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, frequencies is uh, 1.830, 3.865, 7.265, 14.265, and 21.365. Modes are CW, FT8, and SSB. Um, certificate. Uh, I guess you'd get a certificate for participating. You can get a certificate, yeah, okay. yes. Uh, so it says, see website for information on receiving certificate. For website, see website for information, certificate, and QSL available via website after the event. And you can check all that out at wb0sft.org. And the next one is the National POW MIA Recognition Day, which is September 13th through September 22nd, 0000Zulu to 2359 Zulu. The call sign is K4MIA. Frequencies is 8.150, 14.265, and 7.180. I'm not sure that 8.150 is correct. I don't, yeah. This was cut and pasted, so. Maybe it's a typo. It might be 18.150. That, yeah, that yeah would for 17 sense. meters. Yeah, yeah it's 17 yeah. meters, 20 meters, and uh, 40 meters. So yeah, there you okay. Go. So, uh, modes SSB and question mark. Not yeah, sure because there was that. there was no information about what modes they'll be operating. Right, it okay, says okay. satellites, digital stuff like that. So it's probably all over the place. I gotcha. So and the, they're on, uh, on every band, every mode, everywhere, <laughs> every everywhere. band, every frequency, every mode. <laughs> the information Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. The information for this is uh, it observes the National POWMIA Recognition Day uh, that's held across the country on the third Friday of September each year. Uh, this year it will be on September 20th. This will be the 11th year for the special event station, uh, that has been activated. The day was established to honor the prisoners of war and those are still missing in action. There will be sister stations, K4MIA, uh, down, uh, slash five, K4MIA slash seven and K4MIA slash eight in operation some days. Uh, also contacts will be made on the LEO satellites and digital modes. CQRZ for a copy of this year's QSL and for additional information. Because of volumes of, because of the volume of requests, you must send a self-addressed stamp envelope to get a returned QSL. Uh, please take time to remember our POWs and MIAs as well as their families. And this information came from QRZ.com slash DB slash K4MIA. All right. Very cool. And as previously said, we will be operating, Cheryl and I, uh, K5TUX and W5MOO from the Gay Parita site on Route 66 on Sunday the 8th, sometime around 1900 Zulu. So, you know, listen for us. Maybe we'll be calling for you. Maybe we'll be listening. I don't know how, how we'll be doing it. We're not sure really how the structure is going to go, but we'll be there one way or the other. Operating Whiskey 6 Romeo on Route 66. So be there or something. There's another announcement I wanted to touch on, but I completely forgot what it was. So, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> maybe, maybe it was to announce our episode 301 about Pi Star. I don't know. Might have been that. Might have been that. So, anyway, our next episode, episode number 301, is going to be a deep dive, an initial deep dive, a part one, if you will, uh, into Pi Star. Uh, so, if you're interested in DMR, Yazoo System Fusion, any kind of digital mode VHF or UHF operation, you definitely want to check it out. It's a great deep dive. 
but we found that the topic was much too broad and varied to cover in one episode, so we'll be doing basically a series on it, and episode number 301 will be the first in that series, so definitely tune in for that. And along those lines, our LHS Ham Radio Challenge for this fortnight will be to take that dive into DMR, Yezu, System Fusion, P25, NXDN, or something in the VH, UHF digital realm, and uh, have fun with it. It's a new technology that I'm exploring. It sounds like Bill's going to try and dive into it, and a lot of our listeners are into it as well, and it's uh, kind of a new world out there. Uh, some folks don't really think of it as real ham radio, but, you know, it's still a thing. <laughs> so uh, give it a try anyway. It's a lot of fun. So with that, we're going to move on to this weekend in open source and let Bill tell us about a distribution that's been around for a long, long time. Hoot, hoot, hoot. And if you haven't used this particular distribution, I don't know what you've been doing. <laughs> uh, this used to be in every little IT guy's uh, toolkit as a get-out-of-jail-free card for fixing old computers. Uh, yeah, this is Nopix, and uh, this came uh, came into my uh, in my purview here this week because they had a public release of 8.6.0. And I haven't used Nopix in years, but uh, like I said, it used to be a, a staple. <laughs> you always had a disk of Nopix laying around. So yeah, version 8.6 of Nopix is based on Debian Stable uh, or Buster with some packages from Debian testing and uh, looks like some unstable packages as well from SID, newer graphics drivers and desktop software packages. It uses the uh, Linux kernel 5.2.5 and Xorg 7.7 core 1.20.4 for supporting current computer hardware. Uh, kernel patches, it uh, looks like it has Cloop and it has AUFS. And then it also supports both 32-bit and 64-bit kernels in the same uh, bootloader. Uh, so it'll switch back and forth based upon whether you actually have a 64-bit kernel or a processor installed. So this is kind of like a neat little feature. So, uh, yeah, the 64-bit version also supports systems with more than uh, 4 gigs of RAM, of course, and root the uh, 64-bit installations for system rescue tasks. So the bootloader will start the 64-bit kernel automatically if a 64-bit capable CPU is detected and uh, if it's not manually specified. So for computers that can only start from CD, not from DVD or USB flash pin, a tiny bootable CD image has been placed in the Nopix folder, which can be burned and used together with a full USB or DVD version in order to start a, a really old computer. So, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you need, uh, the little super tools <laughs> that is Nopix or just want to, uh, take a look at what the, what the latest version of Nopix looks like, uh, head on over to, uh, to the Nopper, uh, Nopper site, Nopper, 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 Nopper site. And we have, of course, that linked in the show notes. All right, very good. So moving on from there, we're going to talk about some open source events coming up. We have a couple of interesting ones here that are in uh, the EU. And one that's here in the United States, we have, first of all, ApacheCon, which is coming up from September 9th through the 12th of this year. It's going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. So if you want to go there and have some fun and gamble and maybe learn something, you should check out ApacheCon. Since 1998, before the ASF's incorporation, that would be the Apache something foundation. <laughs> uh, ApacheCon has been drawing participants at all levels to explore tomorrow's technology today, quote unquote, across 300 plus Apache projects and their diverse communities. Not only do they have projects, they have their own license. And the source for this, you can check out on our show notes. It's on ApacheCon.com. 
We also have coming up the Cloud Foundry Europe Summit 2019. This is going to be from the 11th through the 12th of 2019 in The Hague, Netherlands. And uh, their description of this is from startups to Fortune 500. Cloud Foundry is used by businesses around the globe to automate, scale, and manage cloud apps throughout their life cycle. Whether you're a contributor or a committer building the platform or you're using the platform to attain your business goals, Cloud Foundry Europe Summit is where developers, operators, CIOs, and other IT professionals go to share their best practices and innovations together. Check that out over at Cloud Foundry. Link in the show notes. And finally, we have the Open Networking Summit 2019. This is in Antwerp, Belgium from September 23rd through the 25th. And they say it's the Open Networking Summit, the industry's premier open networking event, enabling collaborative development and innovation across enterprises, service providers, and cloud providers, and discussing the future of open source networking, including SDN, NFV, VNF, CNF slash cloud, native networking, orchestration, automation of cloud core, network edge access, and IoT services. <sighs> and there was a lot of crap in there. So anyway, that is listed over at the linuxfoundation.org events site. Link, of course, will be in the show notes. So if you happen to be in North Central Europe or Las Vegas, Check out some of the great open source conferences coming up. And there's lots more where those came from, but those are just some of the highlights. And finally, our Linux in the Ham Shack open source challenge for this week is just like the amateur radio challenge is to dive into DMR, Yezu System Fusion, P25, NXDN, or something in the V slash UHF digital world, but do it using PyStar. There you go. That incorporates the amateur radio world and the open source world all together. So moving on from that, we're going to finally get into the really good stuff. And with that, we're going to have Cheryl take over and tell us all about our recipe for this week. So we have an 80s theme party coming up. And I was trying to think of different things we could serve at said party. And one thing that Russ has mentioned recently, as of several friends, was their love for school cafeteria pizza. And I thought, well, you know, that's probably something we should serve. So I went on a hunt for a recipe. I learned that it is very, very simple to make, which makes sense. And so our party guests will be chowing down on school cafeteria pizza. And it's, as I said, it's a super easy recipe. You need some flour, some dry milk powder, some sugar, some yeast, salt, warm water, vegetable oil, uh, some meat like Italian sausage or ground beef in order to bring it you know that whole thing out some pizza sauce and some mozzarella cheese so and you uh whip your uh yeast and flour and stuff together and let it rise a bit out on a a uh, sheet pan and bake it for a little bit and then pull your uh your crust out and put your sauce and stuff on it with your meat which is all stirred together and bake it for another 10 or 15 minutes until it's melted and brown and that's dinner. So. Sounds good. I I so used to love lunchroom pizza. I Everybody mean, did. Yeah. yeah. It is it is terrible, terrible pizza, but you can't help but love it because you basically grew up on it. Yeah. And it's not about whether the food is good or not. It's the things that you remember while you're eating it. Well, and it was the best thing of the school lunchroom foods anyway between the pizza and like the fish sticks or fish sandwiches fish sometimes. sandwiches and hamburgers and yeah sweet. hamburgers for sure <clears throat> it's when they tried to it's when they tried to pull out the crap that like uh the the salisbury steak and what was the stuff that like the mac and cheese um you know 
lunchroom mac and cheese is just horrible. Well, because it's <laughs> it's government cheese. Well, apparently, government <laughs> cheese worse. is what makes the lunchroom pizza so good. Well, well, okay. Now, there's two different types of government cheese. There is I thought the, government cheese was government cheese. Well, That's what. It was. Okay, here, but here's what I found in my my research. There, there is the government cheese Velveeta like stuff, and then there is the imitation mozzarella cheese, which apparently is what goes on the pizza. I'm not exactly sure where you'd find imitation mozzarella cheese, so we're gonna go with the real stuff. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because the recipe—I don't know—I don't remember if you put it in your recipe, but the recipe for the pizza includes a recipe for making a an imitation of government cheese. Yeah, because no, apparently, I didn't this. Yeah. apparently, it's it's not possible for like regular lay people to obtain government cheese. I'm not even sure it's created anymore uh but Probably not. <laughs> but apparently it is part of what makes you know the 80s lunchroom pizza. pizza so yeah. good so anyway there is that uh so moving on we're gonna hit my drink corner for tonight and i guess i have sort of a special edition of the drink corner for episode 300 uh, this was sort of impromptu anyway uh but a f- couple of weeks ago we went up to kansas city and in Kansas City, they have a distillery called J. Rieger and Company, and Rieger produces a Kansas City whiskey. So we were we went there, and they have um, the sort of contraption set up where they have a barrel hooked to a uh, metal spigot, spigot thing. Yeah. Um, and for an extra five dollars, if you feel so inclined, which I did, you're allowed to work the spigot and pour your own bottle of whiskey out of that barrel, and then you're allowed to take the bottle, apply the labels, the tax stamp, and then sign and date that says the bottle was bottled by you. And I have said bottle here in my hands. Uh, We did this on August 14th, and I know this because I signed and dated the bottle. Um, Rieger and Company's Kansas City whiskey is described by them as a blend of straight bourbon whiskey, light corn whiskey, and straight rye whiskey, all aged at least four years, as well as a small amount of 15-year-old Oloroso sherry from the Williams and Humbert Bodega in Jerez. Kansas City whiskey is well-balanced, smooth, and a slightly sweet. It's beautiful when served neat or on the rocks, but also works well in classic bourbon or rye-based cocktails such as the Horsefeather manhattan and old-fashioned so um i'm just going to drink it neat of course because that's how i drink most of my whiskey um the details on this are it is a blend of corn malted barley and rye in some unknown ratio apparently this was originally developed in the prohibition era uh and uh, its mash bill is secret it's bottled at 46 percent or 92 proof uh, of course, it comes from Kansas City, Missouri, and here in the United States. The color of it is a light, slightly reddish amber color. It's a beautiful color, actually. It's a really nice-looking bottle of whiskey. Uh, and this bottle that I created, I guess if you want to say that, on August 14th, has not been opened yet, so I'm going to open it right now, hopefully close enough to the mic where you can actually hear me open it. <laughs> hey, all right, excellent. <laughs> So, let me pour it into my Glen Cairn here. It even looks good in the glass. It's a beautiful color. 
So, this is not a bourbon, of course, because it's a blend of whiskeys and some sherry-finished whiskey as well. So, that's why they call it Kansas City Whiskey instead of bourbon. So, on the nose, ooh, that's beautiful. Very sweet. So, you get you get fruit, like, right up front, for sure. Like, um, it's just general berry, like, a mix of, like, blackberry. Kind of like if you have a fruit cocktail kind of fruit, that sort of thing. And maybe uh, maybe some tartness as well, uh, maybe like a cranberry, something like that. But the fruit is very forward. And then you have that sort of wine essence, kind of like a port wine or a sherry wine. And I'm sure that's because there's sherry-finished whiskey in here. Um, then you also have some classic whiskey notes or almost classic bourbon notes like vanilla and caramel. Okay, I shouldn't have tasted it before I finished nosing it, but it smells really good. <laughs> um, there's also some like winter spice in here, like the nutmeg, clove, cinnamon kind of thing going on that you would expect from, you know, uh, pies and stuff like that. Anything that's autumn flavored, your pumpkin spice, your stuff like that, it's got sort of that essence to it. Um, I did notice from my little initial sip that I just took there, the taste kind of thin. It's, um, not, not like watery or something. It's just thin, like, like the nose is more, explosive than the taste of it so let's get right into the taste and let me take another taste of it okay so the, the sherry is like the sherry is very forward and the sweetness and there's definitely honey because um if you've ever had like a bit of honey or any kind of candy or something that's like a sweetened honey taste it has a sort of drying effect at least on my tongue um that i can immediately identify with anything that comes from honey so the honey is is very much there. It's almost like honeycomb, actually. Um, it's followed up by that fruitiness and a light sort of like mm, indescribable sweetness. It's just light, fruity, and sweet. Um, there's that. There's the sugar, which is kind of like interacting with the barrel notes, giving you sort of a charred creme brulee, almost like an overdone creme brulee a little bit. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's actually quite tasty. Uh, on the palate and then there's some of the classic caramel and vanilla um bourbon whiskey notes and then a little bit of a sort of a bready sort of that malted barley on the finish and then some of that fruitiness it's funny that the the sort of spice the spice and the honey are really forward on the taste but they're really kind of not even there it's more the fruity it's more the fruit on the nose but the taste is honey, caramel, vanilla, and uh, sort of the oak brulee, if, if you will. Uh, it's not bad. The finish is really long. I mean, I'm still tasting it from that first sip. And it's it's kind of that honey and maybe like a little nutmeg. It's like honey and nutmeg and a, like a little peppery kind of like bite on the very end. But it lasts a really long time. Uh, so overall, this is not bad. It's It's very different. And I got to say, I kind of enjoy it. This would be great as a mixer, but I really do like it neat. And it would also be good, I think, for like a a fall party. If you had like a pecan pie or a pumpkin pie or something like that, and, and that was kind of your thing, or even an apple pie, this would be a great neat or over-the-rocks drink to have with that, especially in a dessert setting, because it is on the sweeter side. So... I think it's not bad, and uh, 
a typical bottle is about thirty dollars. I think it's like twenty eight to thirty bucks, and they charge you five extra dollars if you want to bottle it yourself. But I mean, that five dollars was worth it to me. It was fun. Plus, I have a bottle with my name on it. So there you go. Uh, as far as rating this, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eighty nine. I actually really like it, and um, I, I think I know exactly what kind of settings I will drink it in, and it will kind of sit on the shelf. You know, for those purposes, it's not going to be like a daily drinker. Um, but I do quite enjoy this. Uh, so if you get the uh, opportunity to try it, check out Rieger's Kansas City Whiskey. And that is the end of that. So, Bill, do you have something you want to talk about, uh, you know, beverage-wise? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and mention uh, I, uh, I was drinking some beer earlier, but I decided to grab one of these out of the fridge. These are my wife's favorites. <laughs> and it's uh, not your father's root beer. And it's uh, from the uh, small, geez, what was that called again? small town brewery in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And uh, this Yeah, this is so the, you start uh, talking about hard root beer and the dogs are yeah. like, "Ah, screw that. We're going there." Awesome. Yeah, they're like, "No, not root beer." <laughs> hey, yeah, so this is, is good. Yeah, this is the 5.9% variety. Uh, I guess there is a 10.7. I haven't seen the 10.7 here. But um yeah, I mean it it tastes like root beer. Something off on it, you know? It, probably the alcohol portion of it <laughs> it's very sweet that's the only thing i don't like about it. i don't like sweet drinks at all so uh um but yeah it's it's not bad i, I can see why my wife likes these they're they're good sweet yeah they're, they're good they're sweet yeah it's like have you uh tried any of the uh hard ciders <laughs> or not yeah not hard not hard ciders sorry i mean everybody's had hard cider hard seltzers not yes. cider. And what yes. do you think of those? Um, I'm I'm a bit mixed, but uh, I do like seltzer water, like you know, like Lacroix and stuff like that, um, or Buble or <laughs> many different brands. I actually like did the, you, the did Costco you used to brand. Drink one. the um, the New York seltzer back in the eighties? No. Wow. See, I love that stuff. No, I, like, That's I, seltzer water no. just has a funk to me. I can't get over. I, I just can't do anything so you don't even so. like like san pellegrino or anything no like no no he won't oh. drink anything like that oh yeah so when i go over to europe it's you know i drink bubbly water that's all i drink and <laughs> i actually club soda and stuff like that too just by itself oh uh, no but that's that's just me yeah well, well <laughs> i mean yeah you're welcome to it you you can have all the club soda you want but yeah i've tried uh i tried a lot of those seltzer uh spike seltzer ones and um i just really haven't found one that i really like that much some yeah. we had some friends out a couple of weeks ago they brought some out and i don't remember what brand it was but they had black cherry flavored and to yeah. me it tasted like warm wine yeah, like yeah. Warm red wine and i was like well, yeah I, no i think the seltzer ones that try like at least the alcohol ones they try too much to actually have too much flavor and i think that's the whole point of the seltzer water kind of trend is that it's just it's just barely there Right. Like, if you line them all up, you really have to really pick out the notes that tell you that, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not club soda. It actually has lime in it, or it has, you know, uh, uh, you know, grapefruit in it, or it has, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, lemon in it. You know, you don't, you don't, it's not very strong, but like, I've noticed that quite a few of the, um, the various seltzer ones are like very strong, like infused or something like that. And, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not great. In fact, we had a really horrible one here from a local, uh, must be an in-state one that was doing one and it was like Huckleberry and it was just horrid. 
It was absolutely horrid. (laughs) 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 Would not recommend it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, like, I never liked the Zima either when it came out. And that's kind of like what these kind of remind me of that are sort of clear with, you know, trying to be like a wine cooler, but not really. Right. Sadly, I did like Zima, but that was in my younger days. So. <laughs> <laughs> so similar thing. I mean, that's, you know, the very similar kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of a broad market. And you know, I think everybody's getting into it. And I just, I don't know. I just, I haven't found one I really, really liked enough to buy more than, you know, like a trial pack. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, every once in a while, I'll be like, ah, I'll try something different. You know, I don't want a beer or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm doing the root beer tonight. There you go. I've all been right. drinking shock tops all day. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't had those in a long time. I was like, oh, yeah, I gotta get shock tops. And um, I have been impressed with that either. So <laughs> I'm regretting my purchase, <laughs> but I got to power through them. So Scott in the chat room says Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon are wines that he likes along with craft beers. And he likes gin, whiskey, bourbon once in a while, especially with a cigar to which I Absolutely. said, awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I got a, I got a red wine that my wife just got and uh, I'll probably be the one that gets to open it. Cause she doesn't drink red wine. Uh, that's been like aged in, uh, in rum barrels. Oh, that sounds nice. So, yeah. So I'm kind of excited to try. I was going to get it tonight, but I was like, ah, eh, my palate's kind of shot already. So I'll wait for a, a clearer night where I haven't totally, you know, messed up my total taste, but, uh, I'm sure it's probably good. I'm telling you, we still so I'll need do that on a future one. We still need to get Bill some, uh, Jollar Creek wine. And uh, yeah, we're going to do that. So, all right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up the show. We'd like to mention the folks who are in the chat room and listening to us live tonight that at least the ones we know about. We had Don KC9ZMY, Don KB2YSI, Dan, just to be different, KF5TQM, Jonas Rulo, Jim V5EV, and Scott W8UFO. So I want to thank everybody who listened to the show and we are going to go ahead and wrap up this weekender edition. Episode number 300 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you have a great fortnight out there and do some fun things over the next 14 days. And we'll do it all again when that time rolls around. In the meantime, take care. We'll see you later. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch by social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is 
slash NHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-NHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.